This podcast is powered by you. To find out more, visit DiscussingTrek.com slash support. to discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series, Star Trek Discovery. Hi, I'm Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkie. Cal Jones, how you doing, dude? Hey, dude, how's it going? Glad to be doing another episode. We are back in the saddle and doing another episode, man. Yeah, so I was glad to be back. How's things been going on your end, dude? I've been busy, but uh, good busy. But yeah, I've, you know... I know we're doing every, you know, two weeks now, but I actually miss doing this. So we're very glad to be back. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, I guess we'll talk about the comic books because that's what we're here to talk about today. But I don't know, man. I, to me, they're they're kind of falling off of the interest meter for me. Really? Yeah. So we'll talk about it a bit. Uh, definitely. What we do here on this podcast is review each episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek and by all things, again, we're talking about the comic books today from IDW Publishing, The Light of Kalis issue four, which is the last book in the Light of Kalis series and Star Trek Discovery Succession issue number two guys we want you to go check out our youtube page if you have not go and signed up and if you did sign up this past month you could have had a chance to actually win the pop vinyl vinyl collection which went to jesse etheridge which we met at tupelo con and um, i'm glad he got the gift and hope he's enjoying his pop vinyl collection Cool. Very nice guy, by the way. Yes, indeed, sir. Yes, indeed. So we have a bit of news. I'm like, we're going to go with Cal's new Cal's news item first. So okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. So no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, sir. All right. So I was just, you know, going through looking at Star Trek news and I found something a little interesting. It says, is Patrick Stewart teasing a season two role? And basically he's being interviewed on something called red carpet news where he is to ask about discovery. And he is quoted as saying, no, I haven't as in regarding to have seen it. He says, no, I haven't, but I may have good cause to look at it very soon. Thoughts. Uh yeah, I don't really take that as him being on the show. Maybe he wants to watch it for other reasons. Maybe, you know, that Ferks is directing some episodes. Maybe he wants to jump in to check it out. But I just don't get that it might be him being on the show. I think the realm of possibility of him being on the show is uh, next to none or impossible. Uh, hopefully he's, he, he's talk, talking more about the movies and less about the show. What do you think, man? You know, it, it's one of those comments that if I want to interpret it as A, I can interpret it as A, or I can interpret it as Z. It, I mean, it's so vague that it could be taken any way. It could mean that he's going to be writing for it, or he's going to produce an episode or direct an episode, or he could be in an episode. You know, it's so many things. I just think that that was a, you know, a quick clip that somebody got that has people's curiosity because it got my curiosity by the headline to click on it yeah yeah i I truly think it's a non-story but we'll see and hopefully we can get Stewart back at least for a mainline trek movie maybe maybe a tarantino tarantino movie possibly i don't know 
but yeah, I don't, I don't want to see him on Discovery. I'm sorry. The canon is already so botched up already. We, no, no. But anyway. Mm, yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> like you, honestly. No, nah. Mm-mm. So other news on a bit of a sad note, uh, uh, Nichelle Nichols is suffering, uh, Lieutenant Uhura is, is, uh, suffering from dementia, which is pretty sad. I think, um, well, I'm reading that her son has filed papers to be her legal guardian for financial and medical matters. That's kind of sad, but she is pretty old. She's 85 years old, which, you know, is, is no spring chicken. But I look at people like, um, William Shatner, who's running around doing cons and all this stuff. He's in his nineties, I think, and it, and he haven't, he hasn't even been phased one bit. So, uh, yeah, kind of sad to see her suffering with this, but yeah, she is kind of old. So, so shout out to the TOS crew right there. Absolutely. And, you know, it's sad how, you know, different things can affect different people, different ways. And we're, you know, best wishes to her and her family. Certainly, sir. Certainly. Also on the news front, we have a bit of news from the Star Trek Discovery cast, including Sonika Martin-Green, Doug Jones, Anthony Rapp, and Mary Wiseman, Kyle's favorite character, will be on an up- upcoming episode of Apple's Carpool Karaoke. <laughs> what do you think about this, Kyle? Interesting, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the the only one I know that has singing chops is of course Anthony Rapp, who starred on Broadway in Rent in the original cast of Rent for many years. I I, I know he can sing, but the rest of them uh, I don't have a clue. <laughs> and here's here's my thing: is the purpose of karaoke the fact that you can't sing and you're still doing it? Uh, maybe, but maybe, <laughs> but but carpool karaoke. As a property has often been people, the artists themselves going on there to sing their songs. So, for instance, Usher was on there. Will Smith was on there. You know, just Britney Spears. So, usually it's the artists themselves going on there to sing their song. Okay. So. (laughs) Have you not seen an episode of Carpool Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen it because it's got the dude from, yeah, uh, other show. So. um, Florida guy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've seen it, but I'm just trying to wrap my head around why they would be in, you know, carry unless they can really sing. Who who knows? Well, like I said, I know Anthony Rapp can. The rest of them is anybody's guest. <laughs> and maybe that's the point of the whole thing is everybody's guest watch it to see if they can. Maybe, maybe. I don't well, know. It's promotion for the show, of course. Um, I, I would. Lo- it would just blow my mind if Mary Wiseman gets on there and just. You know, owns the show. I would love that so much. Captain Killy. <laughs> don't kill the song, Killy. Don't kill the song. I like her. Don't, don't, don't forget. I like her. Sure you do. Sure you do. <laughs> also, uh, the last bit of news that I have news slash television show. So have you been watching season two of the toys that made us? I have indeed. I actually watched that particular episode, and I'm glad you said that because I forgot to ask you, had you seen it? But yes, I've seen the Star Trek episode. So, of course, we'll be doing a full review either on our comics YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com slash Discussing Network, or we may even be doing a full episode of it on our Discussing Comics podcast, which is at DiscussingComics.com. But Kyle Jones... Yes, sir. What did you think about the Star Trek episode of the toys that made us? 
The okay, so I took two. You know, I won't really go into it, but I will take two takeaways from it. Takeaway number one: what the h? Because <laughs> I'm like at the beginning thinking, okay, you're just bastardizing everything Star Trek. And number yes. two, number two, my other takeaway was um, intricate, very detailed, and very well made. B- merchandise so that'll be my kind of spoilerish answers well i don't know if i've ever got, ever got the intri- intricate well-made merchandise i guess a little bit at the end yeah but, that's but, what i'm going for at the end but boy man just the just the onus of of rodberry licensing his property to anybody who would come calling it's just really ridiculous and the fact that you would have all these toys that have nothing to do with the property uh, I, I guess they rate the worst toy of all as the the Spock siren hel- helmet. Yes. What? I mean, the really? What? Exactly. Wow. And, and and even down to the you know the branding of those things with the very very poor uh, you know logos that had nothing that didn't even look like Star yeah. Trek. Upside down ships. You had a Star, yes a Star Trek tank. <laughs> <laughs> with with little toy soldiers who was supposed to have been uh uh, uh bones Spock and Kirk it's just kind of ridiculous so does that go into the imagination that if you're a kid and you it, tell a kill some i mean a kid something they'll believe it no i no kid should be subject to such horrors <laughs> Uh, but yeah guys if you're interested uh and you have netflix uh just search for the Toys That Made Us, Season 2, Episode 1. That's the Star Trek episode. Really good. And they take no um, shame in mentioning Star Wars several times in that review. So check it out. Cool bands. So, Kyle, are you ready to get into the review of Light, The Light of Kalis Number 4? Kalis. I am indeed, because that's the one that I have. Well, I, I will say, well, I, I have notes on the light of Kalis. And so I'll tell you about notes on secession when we get to secession. How about that? Well, how about this? How about we do secession first? Because I think that's the less interesting and shorter of the two. Okay. <laughs> so I, can I tell you what I wanted to, was, was, was hinting at with the notes? Sure. I have one note on secession. Uh-oh. No matter how hard I tried, <laughs> I only had one note. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> You want and to that's, that, that, but that, that, I mean, that's my whole point is uh, back to what you said about the interest waning some in these books. Yeah. No matter how hard I tried. I, I mean, I read the thing three times and I <laughs> could not find anything yeah. relevant of notes. Yeah. No, no, I totally get it, man. I I, I went through it again and tried to just I'll probably have three three sentences written down here. But secession number two, after the emperor was killed, Lord Alexander has claimed the throne. The rebels believe the time is right to, for a strike on this untested emperor. But what they don't know that Alexander has secretly developed a toxin that could kill all non-human life in the galaxy and is finally ready to be released. Don, don, don. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an undemon. At ease before you spray something. Sorry for the bad reading, but <laughs> here we go, guys. Secession number two. I found the first one really interesting, but I think for me, as we get further away from series canon, it gets less interesting to me. Okay. 
And 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 I, I say that with the the preface of we did the the Star Trek Discovery annual for Stamets. We did we were doing the Light of Kalis. To me, those are a little more interesting because they're leading up into what we see in the series. But for this one, it's interesting. But especially in this last book, it was very thin. Very thin, yes. So much so that I assumed while reading, but I see now that I'm wrong. I actually thought it was written by someone else. <laughs> really? Yes, I really did. And then, you know, now before I even, you know, say the wrong thing, I went back and put them side by side and was looking at them. They're written by the same two people. So yeah, Kirsten Bear and Mike Johnson. So yeah, it's the same group of people writing it. It's just, I don't know, maybe since they're not leading up into a, a point we all know, maybe it makes it a little bit harder for them to, to write something that is as interesting. So I, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, we start with Burnham and Alexander seemingly having this, I would, I would rate it kind of the opposite of the Saru Burnham relationship because he is more so they, they, they want to kill each other. It's not as loving as the Saru Burnham relationship. Uh, if you can imagine that, uh, they, they really are, are two who think they have a right to the throne and looks like Alexander isn't having any of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the whole idea, and that falls into the one note that I wrote down, which is, does royal lineage really matter in the mirror universe? <laughs> and to that, I will say no. no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if she kills him and she usurps the throne, then in that reality, that's survival of the fittest. I mean, even when you look at something like a... When you look at something like um royal bloodlines from the past, it used to be dangerous for a child to be the next person in line for the throne. Even back then, you'd have a chance of getting assassinated or killed. And the fact that, you know, the emperor is gone, Alexander is a little bit, he's older now, he's grown. But still, I, I, I think it's just as dangerous, maybe 20, 100 times more dangerous in the Terran Empire to be succeeding to the throne because it's just a, a dog eat dog world over there. And I would not, I would not hold value in the, the fact that I'm in the lineage to be the next person for the throne, especially not over there. Cause it's just absolutely, so yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And you know, even, even the mother daughter slash quote unquote relationship that they have, I still, I can't trust it because again, that that dog eat dog, as you said, that's what that reality's built on. So, uh, yeah, I just I, I would not want to live there, honestly. Yeah. yeah, like like Burnham makes a statement that she wants to cut somebody open for reals or whatever, and 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 Giorgio says she's going to send her guards, and if you can't defeat them, you deserve to be dead. And basically is what she says. But I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is no love in the Terran Empire, man. I, I don't get it. Yep. Agreed. And, you know, I, I tried to rationalize that whenever I read it as saying, well, maybe that's the way she shows love. And that in a way maybe is. Maybe. Maybe. But not in a way that I want to be any way related to or in a part of. No, not not at all. And also we see it looks like Alexander is going forward with his gene toxin, uh, eliminate all non-human species thing. 
which, you know, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Uh, I think I probably was wrong on my guess last time that, you know, this is might be a way we get the 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 more, um, you know, none the old school Klingons. <laughs> that was yeah. kind of my guess. But I think I was really wrong on that. So I'm gonna I'm a retract my statement from before. <laughs> but yeah, look like he's just intent on killing all things. And I think Carrie made the statement while preserving the planet. And that, that looks like what he's trying to do. And isn't that in a way, and I don't want to misquote history for reality here, but in a way, isn't that what Hitler was doing to some degree, was getting rid of the aliens, quote unquote, and but preserving, you know, wherever the fatherland or expanding. So in a way, I'm seeing, sensing, you know, a lot of what they are is being like Nazi-esque, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I definitely think some of the early, you know, I think it may have been Matthew that mentioned some of the early uh, Mirror Universe stuff maybe was was mirroring, uh, uh, pun intended, <laughs> some of the True. the the, the uh, Nazi Germany stuff. So, yeah, I definitely get that. And considering when these things originally came out, the concept of the Mirror Universe, that was, you know, right at, you know, 15, 20 years afterwards. That makes even more sense. Because it was, you know, fresh and conscious or fresher and conscious. Yes, certainly. Certainly. And, you know, <laughs> what do we think about the whole Captain Captain Arium cyborg lady, blue cyborg lady and her whole thing of I am tired of being less than human and looks like she's going on a what's the name of the droid from Solo? <laughs> Like she's going on a on a on a uh, yeah whoever she was a a a um fembot discovery tour yeah or something like that but but yeah look like she's not having it so I'm interested to see where they go with that whole story because it seems like they've gone through great lengths to kind of make it a thing she actually destroyed a freaking outpost so I don't know we'll see so, so let me ask you this is there something wrong with this story? that I found the scenes with the robot cyborg more entertaining and more captivating than I did the Michael Burnham, Giorgio scenes or, 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 you know, pages. Well, I will say they were fun because she was actually being ruthless, which is kind of what you expect from the Terran empire. And it was more action oriented than anything else we get in a book really. So yeah, it seems like she's had the most fun. Or, or her, her arc has been the most fun out of anything we've seen in the last two books. But we'll, we'll see where it goes. Cause it seems like they're trying to make her a big deal. Agreed. And finally, we get this scene where, um, Giorgio has teamed up. I'm, I'm sorry. Burnham has teamed up with Laurel and Amanda to go and, uh, try to what? Kill the governor on, on, um, Kronos. On, on Kronos. Yeah. And, uh, that, kind of just goes nowhere and that's the end of the book <laughs> yeah so and, go ahead and yeah, yeah no I, I just you know and i know it's 22 pages and that's typical of what a comic book is but it didn't feel like 22 pages it felt like i read about 14 or 15 pages and then then you know here we are at the end credits i mean this book just made me feel like i was left wanting yeah yeah it's very thin very thin so, guys, Cal, let's move right on into the light of Kalish. Number cool four, issue number four, um, 
again from IDW Publishing, after a violent clash with his sister, Joella, Takuma is without a house. While Joella keeps family, the family name and fortune, Takuma gets the bones of the ancestors and the ancestral ship. Now he goes out into the stars to build a new house for himself and any other Klingon who believes in what the Empire was and what it could be again. Make the Empire great again. Yes. <laughs> so what do we think, man? What okay, think? so so for for me, I did not I did not have any fall off from the first issue to the fourth issue of this. This just seemed like a very good self-contained story it told me a story it had a beginning it had an ending and if we had not have paired secession with this i would have said to you when you said you know that the stories are kind of waning some i would be like hey what do you mean (laughs) because i was perfectly satisfied with reading this one yeah yeah and i will say this one made me go back and watch the first episode parts of the first episode yet again uh, especially when we get toward the end of the book and we see what, what Kel actually created. Um, I definitely want to go to the episode and see what it looked like in the show and, and how it appeared in the book. So, so yeah, this one definitely kept my interest. So, um, again, the story continues with Laurel explaining to Vok Takumba's story. And I found it funny that she said only a child believes the great are infallible, which is a very much true statement. <laughs> it seemed funny that it's her preaching that to preaching that to Vok, you know, only a child believes, you know, our leaders are infallible. So interesting stuff there. Yeah. So if you don't mind, that was actually my first uh, note was that that line you just um, just quoted. And my question when there are what what went through my mind. So my question to you or my thought to you is don't we either to eject other or, or, you know, as people or to ourselves to some degree, if it's someone that we look up to or that we hold in regard or that we're, you know, cool with or whatever, don't we kind of put those other people on some type of pedestal to some degree? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's certainly true. And it's almost to the point where if it's, if it's something that's not so bad, we can easily get over it. But when it's something that, you know, Bill Cosby did, <laughs> something like that, it, it, it hurts extremely. And I can see what, uh, Vok is feeling here. You know, he is, he has placed this guy on a pedestal. He has all his faith in him. And to find out, you know, he's not perfect is, is, I guess it's a human reaction to be like, wow, you know, I, I don't believe it. Yeah. And, and, and the way that they were able, again, you know, back to comparing the two books, but the way that they were able to portray that in a comic for us to have that conversation or that exchange we just did, I think is a success of the book. Yes. Yes. I, I agree. So, so we see where Takumva comes upon the relay. We saw at the end of the last book. They have it in their cargo hold or whatever. They're looking at it. Uh, do we find it? Str- well, first off, they put it back, <laughs> which, which I found really, really weird. Um, what do we think about Takumba's realization that the greed, squabbles, and cowardice of the Klingon Empire makes it the perfect time for the Federation to strike? Okay, so second 
uh, note. <laughs> so you and I are like thinking the same things, I think, yeah. for okay. this particular, which is cool. But uh, my my second note that I made was was about that. And here's here's my thing. Why assume that it's an act of war? Yes. You know, because there's nothing that's indicating there's no red lights, you know, blinking like we're about to attack <laughs> you on bombs or whatever. Yeah. But why did you automatically assume that that was an act of war where it could just be an act of exploration? Yes. And, and you know, your point leads me right right back into my next line, which is. Does anyone find it funny that someone so so enlightened as Takuma, he's obviously smart. He's liberating his people. He went and studied with the 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 uh the priest. Uh, how can somebody so enlight enlightened be so wrong on the Federation's intentions? You know, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. He is so objective in some of his thinking of how the Klingon empire is, is going down a wrong path. But when it comes to looking at this other group outside of his own, he can't look past the fact that they're different and, and try to form a relationship. But on the other hand, he just thinks it means war. We have to fight them. We have to destroy them, you know? So just, just very weird. I think. Okay. So let me add this. Cause you just made me think of something. So no matter how enlightened he may be. Could it be that his enlightenment has only been around other Klingons? And no matter how enlightened they may be, if their only exposure is to the other Klingons and they see anything non-Klingon as unknown and therefore, you know, I must automatically be in defense of that or be have an offense to that to protect myself does that then change my thought or your thought of him automatically being suspicious is because that is his thought process because that's all he's ever known? Yeah. I mean, you definitely fear what you don't know. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, they don't know the humans. Um, it's been years and years since they've had any contact with the humans and they just kind of, which is funny to say that because I think even Cole makes the point, you know, they're just a federation. Why are we worried about them? But Takumba has his fear of something he doesn't know, which is just really weird. I mean, like I just said, Cole and the rest of the Klingons could care less, seemingly at this point. <laughs> Correct. But just really, really, really interesting. Now, my next question, man, is do you think Kirsten Beyer and Mike Johnson, the writers of The Light of Kalish, do we think they're big Game of Thrones fans? <laughs> <laughs> oh, could it be that I said, freeing those who suffered under the yoke? Where have we heard that before? There is literally a scene where chain is broken, a la Khaleesi, breaker of chains. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the beheading of the, you know, masters and the, you know, freeing of the slaves. And then, yeah. you know, there's a pyramid that they show. I'm like, yes. Yes. They are copying the Game of Thrones. You know, a naked Klingon wrestling scene, which I won't complain about too much, but hey. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned the big pyramid thing. So we see we see the scene with um, Cole and Takumba at the High Council. Thoughts? 
Uh, yeah. So sister, don't trust sister. Never trust sister. Trust sister is in it for herself. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, Cole makes a statement about how the matriarchs are the true rulers of house Mokai, which that's the house that that's the house that Juella joined when she left, when she killed off the brothers and left Takuma's house. Correct. So I'm wondering, isn't it, isn't it the matriarchs who Vok goes to visit once he, uh, at the end, I think it's like episode five or four or five of discovery when he leaves and he gets the transformation. Isn't it the matriarchs? Am I remembering that correctly? Maybe. <laughs> now you got me wanting to go watch now because maybe. Mm. Ah, maybe so I need to look it up. You know, it, it, it first, at first when Takumba makes his grand entrance into the high council, I'm like, dude, are you crazy? They're going to lynch you. <laughs> yeah. So, so my thought was that was a creepy like grin on his face when he walks in there. Yes, yes. I like, dude, you have some gusto. You have some gusto, sir. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, my thought was exactly what you said. You've got to have a backbone uh, to be walking in. Because one of two things is going to happen. Well, one of three things I was thinking. You're either going to get away or you're going to be enslaved or you're going to be killed. One of the three. Yes. Yes. And uh, he got away somehow. <laughs> but, you know, when you have like millions and millions of people outside cheering your name, you know, that might be impetus to go in with, with a little bit of gusto and, and make your point. <laughs> yeah, I was totally shocked by the people that were out there waiting outside the high council. But again, Khaleesi, breaker of chains, she does has a like following. So. Very much Game of Thrones-esque there again. So did you see them letting him go as more of a self-preservation of themselves or feeling enlightened that they had seen his path? What, what was curious? What did oh, you think? Oh, no. If they would have did anything to Takuma at that point, they would have got mollywopped. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Uh, so we see where as Takuma gets ready to leave, there is a woman who brings who we learn is Vok to him. Um, did you notice that woman looks like? So, well, let me let me back up a bit. Did we ever say if Juella's baby was Vok or not? I know we threw that out last time. Mm, we never. We ne I don't think we ever said that, but 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 we kind of maybe wondered. So the woman that's with Vok, if you look at that panel and look at the panel where Vok, where the baby that Juella has is born, the baby, the, the, the lady that's with him is, is dressed like, it looks just like a lady that's in the room, uh, when, when Juella has her baby. Interesting. So again, I'm thinking, is Vok Tukumba's nephew? I really think he is. And, you know, if that is true, they said it without said it, you know, without saying it, because they said it in the details, you know, because I did not. I thought the woman looked weird I, or and and nothing, you know, kind of clicked for me saying, oh, dude, go check that out. That's the same, you know, like you did. So kudos to you. But I did think something was weird. But but if they did that, they told us without telling us. Yeah. Yeah. So. This is the last book, so I guess we didn't get a real quote unquote explanation. Maybe that's something we'll hear in the series proper coming up. Maybe, 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 maybe. 
So moving right along, we see where Kale has carved out this ship. And ironically, that's the same ship we see Burnham go to uh, on the first episode of Star Trek Discovery. Now, the ship looked awesome. Uh, you know, I went to the episode one and looked at it again. I find it highly unlikely that Kale by himself carved out this ship because it just looks highly impossible. And even Burnham makes the statement in the show that it looks ancient. So just observation, like, did he, could he really have carved that? Yeah. Mm. So when I saw this, I'll tell you what popped into my head. It was like, that looks like one of the, um, the, uh, Cylon ships from Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> it does have similarities. Yes. It's a Cylon Raider. It's a Cylon Raider. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like you. I mean, how can you freaking carve as one person something that huge and elaborate man it's 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 freaking beautiful even if you go back and look at it on on um the series proper it's quite beautiful but man the fact that he did it by himself eh, maybe maybe not so clear but then we get this whole conversation of you know maybe we can use this as the beacon you know since we can't find the beacon and then kale makes a statement that you are the beacon and i guess that's where the bit of deception comes in that they never really found the beacon, quote unquote. I think they did. <laughs> Cause I think, I think this, the Federation relay is the beacon. That's my personal opinion. But they make uh, this. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just thinking. So, so their mythical something, you know, that they're looking for is just an something from another. Uh, so it, it, it has no real significance other than another um, set of beings made it. Yeah, I really don't know. I think it may be meant to be ambiguous, like a lot of, like a lot of religious, um, things that are kind of, we don't, you'll never know exactly how to obtain it. Maybe it's that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that, now that I can wrap my head around because think about it. A lot of, you know, you and I've had, um, conversations before about religion and, you know, a lot of religion comes from, not necessarily from a religious thing, but from a, um, oh, what am I, tr- what's the word I'm looking for? A, um, well, my head just, uh, so, so, <laughs> no, no, well, no, no, no. I was trying to get to, um, it, it comes more from a tradition. Yeah. Yeah. You tradition. Know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. And yeah, you know, um, Definitely, definitely interesting that they're, you know, that's the whole point of this book, The Light of Kalis, The Beacon of Kalis. And and I guess what we're meant to believe is that Tukumba, you know, for all intents and purposes of the story, is the, is the light of Kalis, is the, is the beacon, is the light. So, and, and at the end of the day, you know, is the fact that someone is captivating the people and they are following him and they are doing at this does that make, you know, so regardless of how he gets to that point, the fact that he becomes that point is is the underlying, you know, point of the whole story. 
Yeah, yeah, certainly. And we see we're at the end. It bumps right up against the episode one of Discovery series. Uh, we see where they have a Federation ship on sensors, and and that is presumably the Discovery. I mean, the Shinzu, which they've lured into their range by um, disrupting the beacon, so or disrupting the the uh, relay. So yeah, it interesting story though. I definitely could have seen that being an episode. Yes, I would have loved to have seen this entire thing as like a mini series that they did to kind of tide us over to the season two. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So man, I think that's it, man. Any other takeaways from uh succession number two or the light of Kalis Kalish number four. Yeah. I'll go back and say, you know, anybody reading it, definitely check out uh, the light of Kalis. That, that to me was a good, enjoyable read. My other thing on secession is I really hope that the story picks up because I'm, I'm agreeing with you. That first one, good. The second one kind of just kind of left me wanting. Yeah, totally agreed. So, man, do you have anything podcast related or otherwise you want to talk about before we get out of here, dude? Absolutely. I've got one thing uh, that is actually also Star Trek related. You and I will be this weekend at Kind Castaveras in Huntsville, Alabama. And one of the guests, even though this is a Doctor Who convention, will be Mark Shepard, who has a tie to Star Trek. He appeared in season six of Star Trek Voyager and in the episode Child's Play. Hmm. Now I have to go back and watch that one again because yep. I do not remember him being in there. Yep. He will be actually speaking right before two other guys by the name of Clarence and Kyle. So he'll be on the stage right before us. Oh, really? Wow. What do we owe this honor? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, cool. We'll be in Huntsville this weekend, which should be a lot of fun. So if you're there, if you're in the area and you want to visit Con K, definitely come out. We'll like to say hi to you. But yeah, uh, any other things before we roll out of here? Uh, Just the only other thing, if you want to find anything else that Clarence and I are involved in as far as discussing goes, uh, you can visit DiscussingNetwork.com. Exactly. Thanks to everyone for listening. Until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Awesome, man. Uh Uh-oh. Did we lose Cal?